Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. I, uh, you know, I, uh, Joe, the one announcement I had was Pi Day. There's Pi Day today. So stay and eat pie. And there's also some hot dogs. So you can have a hot dog too if, you, if you're like feeling hungry and you're like, I'm too sugared out and I need, I need something a little more savory. Well, you can, you can also do that. So um, feel free. Hang out. Even if you didn't bring a pie, there's plenty of over there. There's so much pie. There's one that uh, Joe got hungry and he already took a piece of it out. It's a cherry pie. <laughs> I walk in there and there's a piece of pie missing. It's okay. You know, I, I, I made a pie too. And uh, it's my first time ever baking a pie. And uh, I expect it to win. I told Joe I'm just going to throw a fit if I don't win. <laughs> and I'm going to preach really long next week. I'm kidding. I won't do that. <laughs> oh, I've got to have fun, right? Well, if you, um, if you, have your, um, if you want to get, get the notes for today, you can go to myhope.life forward slash sermons, and you can click the little button right there. There's a little black button, and it says, get the notes, or it says sermon notes or something. I can't remember what I wrote on there. But you can get that, and uh, you can have that, and it'll put it in your version Bible. Um, so um, if you want to get that, grab that. Um, for those of you who got paper copies, I passed out those to you already. Um, and if you're like, I need a paper copy because I can't figure out the U version thing, you can ask me. I'll print you a paper copy because I'm nice like that. <laughs> well, um, this is the last um, sermon in God's Redeeming Rescues. I have enjoyed it. I hope you have. I'm not going to ask if you enjoyed it because I did. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I learned a lot. And yes, there's many stories that I had already read, but reading them afresh again and and studying them again, it means so much, I think. And so today, Ashley said it, today is Pentecost. So this last sermon, this is what we're going to talk about, power today. And last week we hit the scripture, Acts 1 and verse 8, and it says, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And I realized this this week. Like, I've quoted this verse a million times. I've misquoted this verse a million times. Because I only quote, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come to you. And I always forget the last part, and you will be my witnesses. So there was a purpose to God's Spirit, and it was to be a witness. And so that's our purpose today. So what is Pentecost? Well, let's talk about that for just a minute. I want to give you some uh, background here. And this isn't necessarily... Well, we'll just go with it. Okay, so it's 50 days after the Passover, right? So uh, 50 days ago, we celebrated Easter. Um, that is the same time as Passover. It's kind of cool, like, the way God works, like, it all kind of flows with his plan that has been from the beginning of time. And so here we are 50 days after. It's Passover, and it's also referred to as the Feast of Weeks. So Passover started. Does anyone remember? I talked about the story of the children of Israel, and they were leaving 
um, Egypt, and they had to have, they had to get ready. They had to have their shoes on. They were ready to travel, okay? The death angel comes over. They had to do some certain things in their household. That's Passover. And then 50 days later, God delivers the law to them, where Moses goes up into the mountain, remember? And then, like, they, they were like, oh, Moses, where is he? And they're like, let's build a cow. Let's build a golden cow, right? So that's the time. That's 50 days later. Right? People are already messing up 50 days after, you know, the plan was set in place. And, you know, people still messing up 50 days later today. We're three days later and we're messing up. <laughs> so um, it's referred to as the Feast of Weeks. It's the celebration of giving the law, the celebration of the harvest, things like that. It's a Jewish um, holiday. But more so, it is when God began to pour out his spirit on the church. This story begins in Acts chapter 1 with the command to wait. And I believe that that continues through today, that we are to wait until we be endued with power from our God. I believe that we need God's spirit active in our lives. Yes. So, um, I believe that, you know, I believe in the operations of the gift of the spirit. If you have been in, the, uh, in our Corinthians Bible study, we've been going chapter by chapter on Tuesday nights. And... Uh, in that Bible study, we've been talking about all the different things, and just recently, we've been in chapters 12, 13, and I think next week we're in 14. You can get the questions out there in the entryway if you are interested in joining us. Um, but it talks about the gifts of the Spirit in there. And so Paul starts out, I don't want you to be unaware. And so I want to start with this today. I don't want you to be unaware. And so I believe in the operations of the gifts of the Spirit. Just, just as Paul warned, though, in Corinth, we too should exercise caution with the gifts of the Spirit. Because if you're not operating in the Spirit of God, you will be operating in another spirit. We don't need none of that junk. The last thing we need in our lives is another spirit. I want the Spirit of God. So um, we talk about that. So in, it's stated in 1 Corinthians 14.39. It says, do not forbid the speaking of tongues. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about speaking in tongues today. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe that it is appropriate that you can do it. You know what? You can come today. You can worship in here. You can speak in tongues. That's, that's fine. That's prayer between you and God, okay? And Paul says here in, in chapter 14 that it is the building up of you when you speak in tongues and no one interprets. So it's okay. that You need to be built up sometimes. That's okay. Allow God to work in you and work through you. But Paul also says, you know, Pray that you be used in the gifts of the Spirit. Pray that you prophesy. Pray that you interpret. So we should. But the one thing that we have to remember, remind ourselves is Paul also said, I speak in tongues more than you all. I love that. I love that phrase. I speak in tongues more than you all. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, but when I come to church, I, uh, I, I would rather speak five words that you understand than 10,000 words in tongues. Why is that? Because... Tongues builds you up, which is a very important part, but also it doesn't build up the church. So if I got up here and just started speaking in tongues, y'all wouldn't know what was going on unless someone would interpret. I can't stand it when the preacher gets up and just like starts speaking in tongues, but there's no interpretation. Like, man, no one knows what you're saying. <laughs> no, nobody knows. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe it's absolutely appropriate for you to speak in tongues in church. I believe it's okay. There is order that Paul gives. And I, I, there's things that we can break into, and we talk about that more on Bible study night than we do today. But I just want you to know, because I don't want you to be unaware, that when you come to church, like, I believe that God still pours out his spirit. 
So Amen. why are we talking about this? There's other gifts of the Spirit. Because I don't want you to be afraid to do it. I don't want you to be afraid uh, when someone does do it. I want you to understand that it's from God. It's not something of our own accord. Um, and so I just want you to know this. No one will teach you how to speak in tongues. You don't come to a special class at church where I'm like, okay, so this is how you speak in tongues. That's not, that's not how it works. We don't, we don't teach anyone how to do that. It's, it's not, uh, here, say this phrase over and over and over again. It's not produced by height. It's not produced by man, but it is given by God. Amen. So you can't master it. You can't perfect it. It's going to be how God does it, not you. So you got to remember that when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, it's God, not you. It's him, not me. I operate in his gifts as he sees fit. That's what the Bible talks about. As he gives them accordingly, that's when we operate in them. So I wanted to start this whole thing off with that, um, with those scriptures and, and that understanding. Because when we see God's spirit poured out in Acts chapter 2, and we see the instructions that Jesus gives to wait until you be endued with power, I, I believe that that's still for the church today. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that it stopped. There is a scripture that people will point to a lot that says, well, it says here that when the perfect has come, tongues will cease and prophecy will cease and knowledge will cease. Well, that depends on what you think the perfect is because some people refer to the Bible as the perfect thing. I, re I refer to the perfect thing as Jesus Christ returning. Amen. And at that point, those things will cease. So we can talk about all those things and we can talk about, you know, speaking in tongues and the gifts of the spirit on another time. But I want you to know that I absolutely support moving in God's spirit, because if we're not, if God's spirit doesn't have freedom to reign in this church, then who controls it? We do. I don't want to be controlled by me. Like, oh, it's the worst thing ever. So let's start with these stories. Let's look at three stories. And these are going to come from the book of Acts. The very first one here we're going to talk about the power of being a witness. Acts chapter 8, 29, it says the Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And this is what the eunuch said. How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before his shearer, so that he does not open his mouth, in his humiliation justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? Philip gets up. God tells him, hey, run over there next to that chariot. I hope that chariot was going slow, because I feel like it would start to get weird. Like, could you imagine you're driving down the road? You know what? Let's, let's not. It's, <laughs> you're the person that God calls and says, hey, go, go minister to that person in the car. And they're driving down the road kind of slow. And you're like trying to go, jog up to him next to him. And <laughs> I can be, I, if I was the person in the car, I would be stepping on that gas. Yes. Go faster. There's a crazy person coming after me. <laughs> now, it doesn't say any of those things in the Bible. But sometimes when I read the Bible, like that's, that's what I see, like, did, they, did he sneak up on them? Like, <laughs> so the Spirit empowered Philip to do something here in this portion. 
to teach and to minister to a person that was not allowed to be with the rest of the Jews. This Ethiopian eunuch was a Jew, but because of the, um, the, the law that was given, he was separated. He was further back away from where everyone else was. He wasn't like everyone else because of him being a eunuch, because he was not whole. So in verse 36, it says, but in the story, we see God's spirit moving and breaking and reaching this person. In verse 36, it says, as they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What should keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. His response to the gospel matters because when we hear the gospel of Jesus and turn our lives over to him, we should be obedient to what Jesus says. So what did Jesus say? Why did the Ethiopian eunuch know that he needed to be baptized? Well, I don't think Philip was unlearned. I think Philip understood what Jesus had said. And Jesus says this in John chapter 3, 5 through 7. Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you, you must be born again. Now, this story is kind of comical when you read it, because Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And the first response that Nicodemus has is like, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born? I, love, I mean, it's like one of my favorite stories in the Bible, because I'm like, if I was Nicodemus, I would probably, and I didn't understand the whole born again thing, like church terms, right? Like church terms are in the Bible too. <laughs> born again, what's that mean? <laughs> so what is born of the flesh is flesh. So before I come to Christ, I'm flesh, right? It's just flesh. But what is born of the spirit is spirit. So if I believe what Jesus says, I'm going to follow what Jesus says. If I give my life to God, I'm going to follow what he says, right? Or do I reject and argue what Jesus was saying? And he was, oh, Jesus was wrong when he said, you must be born of the water and the spirit. I absolutely believe in the necessity of baptism. Like we should all be baptized because the Bible talks, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. So I believe that there is something that we need to do. And, you're, and some people be like, well, that's a work. No, it is absolutely not a work. Tell me what you did. Other than saying, I will do it because God said for me to do it. What did you do in that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. God did everything in you. It's a supernatural work that God does in you and through you. So, I can't reject Jesus and say that Jesus was wrong. And so, when I see this action of this individual, a person who wouldn't have been able to worship, a person who wouldn't have been able to have connection with God. He reaches for that person. In the lowest places, you may find yourself in similar places. Feeling as if you're unworthy to worship God because of your past, because of the circumstances in your life. But you're not unworthy. You know what? Absolutely, I'm wrong about that. I just, I, I'm wrong when I said that. We are all unworthy. But he makes us worthy. Because of his grace and his mercy... And I come to him and my, I, I will be obedient because I have given my life to God. So what is my view of the sinner's prayer? I'll tell you this. To me, a sinner's prayer is repentance. You want, what is repentance? It's a turning away. 
It's an action. That's what, that's what a sinner's prayer is to me. It does Nowhere in the Bible did they say, well, just pray this simple prayer, and that's it. They said, repent and be baptized. Everyone, In all those different instances in the book of Acts, they were repent and be baptized. And I'm going to read some more stories to you here in just a minute. But I believe that obedience is vital for the church today. If we want to have a fresh wind, there's going to have to be some obedience. So what were they doing on the day of Pentecost? They were praying. They were seeking God. They had been there, I believe it was about 10 days at this point. And, and, and they were praying and they were seeking God. They didn't know what the promise would sound like. They didn't know what the wind would feel like, what it would look like. And then in Acts chapter 2, there was a, there was a wind that came, and a rushing mighty wind, and it set upon them. And there, came, there was cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And I look at that and I'm like, man, I bet you they were shocked. They didn't know what it was going to happen. This is why I say, when you're in your prayer, ask God, God, I want to experience this, but don't do this. God, I want to experience what you poured out on the day of Pentecost. Get in your car and drive off and, like, ignore it. Like, I'm talking about, like, in your prayer life, in your daily prayer, because we should all have a daily prayer life, but I will admit I struggle sometimes and don't. I try, <laughs> but I mess up. So in your prayer, God, I want to experience that. Worship him. Love just worship him in that moment. And when he sees fit, he will fill you with his spirit. It might take 10 days. But you know what? You stay there. Stay in that, God, I'm, gonna, I'm here to worship you. God, I love you. I thank you, Jesus, for everything that you did for me. I worship you. I magnify you. There's no way to learn how to do it because on the day of Pentecost, it just happened, right? It just, God poured out his spirit. And that's what we have got to desire is that it happens in the way that God sees fit. I don't want it manufactured. If there was anything that gets under my skin more, it's hype. I mean, I like hype. Like, I'm an excited person. Like, I will, you know. But that is not the spirit of God. The spirit of God isn't produced because you have an amazing worship team. The spirit of God isn't produced because, because, uh, uh, because someone got up and said something really cool. But what happens is the spirit of God moves when there is a vessel that is hungry and desiring his spirit. So it's coupled with hungering and desiring. So what was the Ethiopian eunuch doing? He was hungry and God filled him, right? He, he sent him someone to minister him. So in this, the most important thing that you can take away from this story is that if you have God's spirit within you, it is to be his witness. And that means you may have to chase the chariot, but God will empower you with the words to say. He will give you what you need to minister to that person. Maybe you feel like you can't get closer to God. His spirit is for you. Maybe you feel like you just, you, you, I can't lift my hands, I'm unworthy. No, he, he, he died on the cross so that he could minister to you, so that the veil could be torn, so that you could reach him. So it will empower you to change, and your change will be the witness of his greatness. Have you ever thought about that? How many of you have recognized change in your life? I've recognized a bunch of change in my life. Good. I have recognized change in people's lives. It's one of my favorite things to see. Probably one of the things that keep me... It, it would be really boring being a pastor if nobody ever changed. Like, like if, 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 you, if you came to God and you like went back to the same old thing, like, but I look at people and I see them change. 
changing. And I'm like, man, God is work in people's lives. Now, now we can come to church and we can keep the same old crabby attitude we have. <laughs> same old crabby attitude that we've had for the last 20 years, we can, we can keep, right? Like, if you want to hold on to that, by all means, it's all yours. I'd rather hold on to the joy of the Lord than the crabby attitude. <laughs> uh, better feel that one. <laughs> I want to get closer to God. My change is a witness to his power. So in everything that I'm doing, I want to be a witness. So maybe you feel like your past is just too much. Maybe you're like, I, I can't do this. Let's look at Paul. The guy who wrote Corinthians that was empowered by God's spirit to write it, 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy 2.15, I think it is, or uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That might be 3.16. I can't remember. You can Second Timothy three sixteen. All right, there we go. Look at that. I got the reference today. All right. Acts chapter nine verses one through six. Let's look at Saul. It says Saul, right? Like this is who he was at first, and then God changes him. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus. So that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Cool dude. As he traveled and he was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now listen here what Saul responds. Like Saul knew what was happening here. And this is what Saul responds and says, who are you, Lord? Saul says, and the response is, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Paul is killing Christians. He's locking them up and throwing them in jail. He's breathing down threats. And this is who God picks? This is who God wants? Why would you pick that trash? Why would you pay? And, and then goes and God uses to pin much of the New Testament and the uh, pastoral epistles. Think about this for a moment. The person who was killing the church that you planned to start. I'm going to use that one. Huh? So God appears. The angel of the Lord appears to Ananias in a vision. Um, and Ananias uh, is told, I want, I'm going to send Saul. I want you to go and pray for him that his eyes might be open. Because at this point, Paul is now, Saul is now blind. And uh, can't see. He's got these scales over his eyes. And Ananias, like, you don't see Ananias question or anything like that. He just goes. How many of us, if we heard that, that hey, you're going to go and pray for Saul, we'd be like, mm. God, I think you said that wrong. You said Saul. Like, I don't know if you've heard this, but. Christians. I, I, I don't know if you heard this, God, but like, I, you know, he's like putting people in jail, right? He's got these letters. And then he's going to arrest us in the synagogues. Like, you sure? You, we talk about the same guy. It's like a different Saul, right? Like, it's, it's Saul's, 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 you know? Like, it's, it's, it's a different Saul. Salmotheus, Saul you know, right? It's, it's that Saul, right? Not, not this Saul, right? Like, in me, in my mind, that is exactly what I'd be doing. I'd be like, okay, God, 
I'm pretty sure you messed that one up. <laughs> right? Like, are we talking the same one? I was, I, I always have weird dreams. <laughs> like, all the time. Random, ridiculous dreams. And a lot of times on Saturday night, I fall asleep and I wake up on Sunday morning and I have dreamt about church. All night to the point that I believe it is Monday. And I did a terrible job on Sunday. And then I come to the realization, oh, man, it's Sunday. Get a do-over. <laughs> it's like this fear comes on me on Saturday night. Oh, man, I have these crazy dreams. I wake up, and I'm like, oh, it's Monday. Wait, I miss church. <laughs> I don't know why I told you that, but, like, if God appears to me in a vision, I said this to my wife the other day. I was like, and I, if God gives me something, he's definitely, if these dreams mean anything, that he's going to have to be a whole lot clearer than that because I can't handle that, like, you know, revelation stuff where it's like, you know, <laughs> I can't figure it out, God, if you're not clear, <laughs> crystal clear. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <sighs> I, just, I totally got distracted there. <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> Verse 18, at once... Something like scales. So Ananias goes and prays for him. At once, something like scales falls off his eyes, and he regained his sight. When he got up and then he got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some time. This is so cool right here in verse twenty. Immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God. Immediately, like man, he's like I ain't waiting. Like, I've been changed. Something happened to him. And so something should, I believe that something should happen to us when God's spirit moves in our lives. So, and verse 21 says, all who heard him were astounded and said, isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on his name and came here for the purpose of taking them prisoners to the chief priests? Now, this next scripture is the one that I really liked, like it just like really hit for me. And in verse 22, it says, but Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Now I think about this for a moment. <laughs> They're like, hey, isn't this the guy that was like wanting to kill him and now he's one of them? Like confounding? <laughs> like, have you ever thought about like what if God changed you to a point like someone was like, hey, I remember them in high school. Don't you remember them? Like, they were the party animal. They did all these things. That, oh, you remember that guy? He used to break into houses and things like that. Who does he think he is now? Like, <laughs> who do you think you are? You, you think you, you just think you're better than me, right? I, no, I believe that God changes people. I think if some of my friends from back in my day saw me today, I still, I do wonder what they would say. I still wonder that. Like, <laughs> I, I do. Like, I hope that my life is a testimony of the goodness of God, that God can change a person, that God can do it. Uh, we live in a world that believes that you cannot change, that you cannot, that, that God can't change you. Once you're this way, you're always that way. No, by the power of Jesus Christ, I can be changed. The power of Jesus Christ, I can be changed. So, you see, there's this whole world that believes that you can't change, but I believe it, that God can change you, that you don't have to leave the same that you walked in here. God is still God. He's still in operation today, and he's still changing lives. And I believe this, your change 
will confuse the enemy. Amen. Your change will cause the enemy to be like, what's going on in Joe's life? What's going on in Troy's life? Why are you the way that you are now? So, maybe you think your prison is your purpose. You're like, Zach, I've been locked up in this prison, and this is where God has put me. He wants me to be locked up here in this prison. And uh, I would say I disagree. And I think this story will speak to you. Because I believe that there are many of us that are locked up in prisons today. And we have been sold the idea that these chains and shackles are just me. This, this is who I will always be. But I don't believe that that is the case, and I don't believe that that is what God intended. So in Acts chapter 16, we're going to jump a couple chapters. This is one of my favorite redeeming rescues in the New Testament. There's so many in there that I didn't even get to go over. But here we go. In verse 23 through 24, this is real encouraging right here. After they had been severely flogged, them, uh, oh, sorry, I read that wrong. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. Man, think about that for just a minute. He was like, okay, I hear the order. I'm going to put them in the inner prison. Like, I, I think of that, like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm not a historian and... But I look at that, I'm like, he's in maximum security prison. Like Paul and Silas, let's put him in the inner prison where there's no windows, where there's no light or anything like that. And I feel like we've been sold this idea that this is what God has intended for me, that I'm to be locked up in this prison, that I'm to be shackled to this addiction, that I'm to be shackled to this oppression, that I'm to be shackled to these things in my life. But I believe that we serve a God of deliverance. And so maybe your thought today is you're upset that God's allowed you to be brought to this place. Maybe you're upset and you're angry because you're sitting in a jail cell and you don't want to be there. But God has brought you there for a purpose because what are we to be? His witness. So what does that mean? Sometimes I've got to, I, I don't want anyone to go to jail, okay? So when I say this, do not, I am not talking about the literal sense. Do not go to jail. If you are in jail, we'll work with you. <laughs> But don't go to jail on purpose <laughs> just so that you can be a witness there. We'll send you to the jail so that you can teach people and preach to people. But, but please, 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 please don't go to jail because you think that that's where God wants you to go. <laughs> we can do this a different way, I promise. So in this, they, they, God sends them to jail because he, they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So maybe your thought, you're like, I don't, I don't want to be in this place and I'm angry at God. Maybe you're asking God, you were there then why am I here if you're really real why am I here why am I locked up in this jail cell maybe his response to you is because you were obedient and I need you to be my witness have you ever thought about that the shift in your thinking that God has placed you in this situation in your life and he's not going to take you out right now because he needs you to be his witness. When you get okay with being his witness, you will go through some dark times. You will go through some hard times. You will go through some scary things. But you will know I am here to be a witness. I'm here so that I can be 
his witness. The change in my life is for his glory. The things that I'm going through is so that he can be glorified. So that I can point with everything that has happened in my life that he is the victor. When you change your mind, things begin to happen. God allows them to be locked up so that other people could be set free. Let me read the rest of this story to you. About midnight, in verse 25, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. Not just Paul and Silas, but everyone's came loose. Every jail cell swung open. What if you lived your life in such a way that you were his witness, that as you began to worship him and praise him, not only your jail cell begins to swing open, but your family is changed. Your community is changed. This city is changed because you said, I will be a witness for him. So the power of God has the ability to swing open your jail cells. It has the ability to, to, to swing open your family cells and, and your neighbor and your city. But I have got to put my faith in him and I have got to be obedient and I have got to allow him to work in my life. God's power is endless. But I have got to remember the reason I have his spirit. It is so that I can be empowered to endure and be a witness. God's spirit was not given just for the feel goods. It, it wasn't given so that so that you could have some goosebumps. It, it wasn't given so that you could be like, oh, that just felt so good. I'm gonna go hug someone. That's that's not why he gave it to you. God's spirit was so that you could endure the prison. It was given so that you could endure the shackles. It was, in, it was given so that you could endure and you could worship him at about midnight and your jail cell swings open. Your household jail cells begin to swing open. Those bonds of addiction that have held your family begin to break off. Those things in your community that have been, the, the, those false religion, those, those things that have been coming up and rearing their head, they begin to crumble. The, those idols begin to fall. Those, those altars and the high places begin to be torn down. That is why. I have his spirit so that I can endure, so that I can be a witness, so that I can make his name glorious, so that I can glorify his name, so that I can help make his name known. That is the objective of a Christian, not to have feel goods on a Sunday, but to be active in the faith Monday through Saturday. To be active and moving and believing that God will send you as Philip was sent to the chariot. I need to find a chariot. Maybe, maybe you're standing there and you're like, God, I don't know what to do. Start looking for a chariot. Start looking for an Ethiopian eunuch to teach the Bible to. Maybe, maybe you're like angry at God and you're trying to kill every Christian you can get your hands on spiritually. You're crushing them as best you can. Maybe, maybe God, just go ahead and reveal yourself like Saul. Could you? I, I, clearly, I've got scales on my eyes and I haven't even seen you. God, send someone to me to pray for me that my eyes be opened. 
And maybe you're like Paul and Silas, stuck in a jail cell. So what happens after that? How does it become a witness? How does God use his power for them to be a witness? In verse 29, it says, The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. I can, I can feel that. I would be there too. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. I wonder what it was that he spoke. Because in verse 33, it says he took them the same hour of the night and washed them in their wounds right away. He and all his family were baptized. I wonder what the words of the Lord were to him. I wonder if they said, well, Jesus said we must be born of the water and of the spirit. I wonder what it was. But here again, we see obedience. So there's two types of people. And there's two types of people here today, people that have been filled with God's spirit, who are active in the faith. And there are people that need to have obedience in their life. Now, I think that maybe like some people could be like, well, that's real, that's real harsh, Zach. Obedience? Are you trying to lord over me? Absolutely not. I don't want you to be obedient to me. I want you to be obedient to the word of God. I want you to be obedient to what Jesus said, not, not what I said. I care less what you yeah, you can fact check me all day long. I promise. Like, I want 100% of what I have right here in the Bible. I would encourage you, don't just accept it for what I said. Study God's word. Ask questions. Don't just accept it because I got up here and said it. That's the worst thing you can do as a Christian. Just believe it because the preacher said it. There's a lot of dumb preachers out there. <laughs> and I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that to be like, I'm not a dumb preacher because I... We all know some of the things I've said. <laughs> I make mistakes too. I'm faulty sometimes in the things I say. So I encourage you, please, check your Bible. Brenda pointed out to me when I post the wrong scriptures up there. And I appreciate it because the last thing I want to do is confuse you. Your best bet is to open up your Bible and to read it for yourself. Don't take what I wrote on the notes because I don't want to change the word of God. Read the word of God for yourself. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman. I mean, the rest of the scripture, what's the rest? Thank you. I heard a couple other people start to quote it. I always, I always butcher that last part of the scripture. I know what it is. Like, I get the context of it. But I butcher it. <laughs> Here. We need to be hearers of the word, right? But we also need to be doers of the word. As we hear God's word, we've got to take action on his word. When I come to the understanding of what sin is, I should change. When, I come under, when, when God convicts me of something in my life, I should say, okay, God, I'm going to need your help to change. And he will help you. But that's what his spirit is for. So, I gave you all of those things at the beginning of this sermon to let you know that I believe that God is, God's spirit is still in operation today. I still believe that he's seeking to fill, that he's still seeking to save, that it's not his will that any should perish, and that we can all come to him, that we can all experience the presence of God. So I've read some stories. Maybe they move you, maybe they don't, but I believe that God is still changing lives. When I was seven years old, I had cancer. And I believe that my, my parents had to endure some things. 
because of my cancer. And yes, I've had to endure some things, but I think my parents got to go through that for something. He was teaching my mom and dad something. Maybe he was teaching my grandparents something. I've had to learn some things from that. I struggled with addiction as I got older, alcohol and drugs. I could tell you stories of what I had done. But I don't want to glorify the past. I want you to know that even as messed up as I was, God said, I can still use you. Amen. As messed up as you are right now, as messed up as you are sitting here today, it's okay. Because God wants to love you. He wants to change you. He wants to care for you. You don't have to walk out with the same bad attitude you walked in with. You can walk out renewed. Renew my mind. Renew the spirit within me. My change that happened was not for me, but it was for him. The change that happened in my life was for him. And I know I have talked about this time and time again. I'm free today because of the grace of Jesus. But had I not been obedient to his word, I would not be here today. If Paul had not been obedient to go to that house so that Ananias could pray for him, he would have stayed blind. Fast forward now, chapter 16, Paul would not have been locked in the jail cell. What about Philip? What if he said, God, I'm too scared? The Ethiopian eunuch wouldn't have been reached by Philip. God is all-knowing and he's all-powerful. And he does not make a mistake when he calls you. When he prompts you, he is not his mistake. He knows exactly what he's doing when he says, go pray for Saul. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows that he's about to change a life so you don't have to live in fear and be afraid of those things. I'm free today. Because I've been obedient. We have got to be obedient to his word. I believe without a doubt in my mind that God brought me here to this city so that I could be his witness. So that there would be other people's lives changed so that they could be a witness to their family. So that they could be a witness to their community. So that they could be a witness to this county. And maybe, just maybe, we would reach our state. Maybe, just maybe, a revival would be awakened. A restoration of force. Not just some goosebumps and feelings, but I'm talking about just like it was on the day of Pentecost where 3,000 souls were added to the church and, and they added daily such as should be saved. I believe that it doesn't take a 1,000 people to reach a bunch of people. This few people that are here right now, God can use to ignite a revival this world over. Look at the disciples. God used 12 men to turn the world upside down. What could he do with this church? What could he do in this place if we said, yes, I'll go. Yes, I'll be a Philip. Yes, I'll be a Paul. Yes, I'll be a Silas. Whatever you need from me, God, I am yours. I'm a willing vessel. The greatest redeeming rescue that I can tell you is your story. That God loved you. It's your story. The greatest redeeming rescue that's here right now is your story of what God has done in your life. And I know that there's victories in this place. I know that there's deliverances in this place. I know that there's healing. These signs shall follow them that believe. They'll cast out devils. They'll, they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And if they eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. I believe. 
people of the name in here today. I believe that there are people full of faith that God is moving and working in and that we can be the change, that we can see God change our community, that we can see people delivered, we can see the addictions broken. I believe it. Maybe I'm crazy, but I know that God's spirit is still moving and still reaching. I think about my testimony and I'm thankful. But my, my testimony is my story of God's grace. What is yours? We can talk about mine any other time, but what is yours? You know your story. If God has ever touched you, if God has ever changed you, why don't you stand up real quick? If you leave this place, maybe you, maybe, maybe you stood up and you're like, I don't want to be embarrassed. Everybody else just stood up. I'm going to stand up. I've been there. It's okay. Maybe you're looking around and be like, I could use a change right now. I could use God touching my mind. I could use God touching my heart. There's been some things that I just can't get through. I want to encourage you that God is here right now. He loves you. He cares about you. As this song plays, I just want you to worship him, to love him right where you're at. God, I thank you that you saved me, God. We thank you for the rescue, God, of my life, God. We thank you for what you've done in my life, God. So you clean me up inside. You thought I was to die for. I worship you, Jesus. I thank you. So you sacrificed your life so I could be free. Has anyone been set free in this place? Is there anyone telling people about Jesus? He thought you were worth saving. I thank you that you saved me, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. If you want prayer today, if you've got something you're struggling with, I want to invite you to come up here to the front. I want to pray with you that God would touch you today, that he would strengthen you.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Are you thankful for his grace and mercy? I'm so thankful. Can we just give him a shout of praise right now? God, I thank you for everything you've done in my life, God. I worship you. I magnify you. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I thank you died for me. God, I worship you. I magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, don't forget there's pie on the other side. I'm excited for some pie. It's going to be a good time. Next week, we'll have a new series. It's titled Tools of the Trade. And I can promise you it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. There might be some swords involved at some point, but there's definitely going to be a hammer next week. All right. <laughs> have a great day. God bless you. Be the light in this world.